Thank you for listening to Legends of Tabletop. My name is Leah Bond, and I am joined here with my guest, Jean Leggett of One More Story Games. And today is a special episode because I'm joined with Jean on her cell phone, and she's in the middle of a blizzard in Canada. How exciting. Thanks very much for having me. And we are in the middle of a blizzard. So I'm hoping that we have some great internet and some great conversation. Absolutely. And before I started the at the interview, I apologize for just we just jumped right into some interesting discussion regarding legacy and you had brought up video games and that's when I decided okay let's let's go ahead and start the broadcast because I want to hear all about legacy and the creation of video games as it pertains to legacy well okay to give you a sense of why legacy is so important to me I see video games as a cultural medium, just like we have film and television and music. Those are all ways that we've been expressing ourselves creatively for a really long time. And as we've moved into the digital digital media medium, we are starting to see some pretty incredible things happening in the video game space. It's becoming more diverse and inclusive. We still have a long ways to go to have accurate representation. But I and my husband started this games company five years ago with the goal of helping people tell their stories. So Leah, you've known us for quite a while. Yes. Uh, for, For listeners, we've developed a software program that hopefully is easy enough for anyone who doesn't know how to code to be able to make like a point and click adventure game that is story based. And we've been running summer camps for a few years and we were working with a number one New York Times bestseller right now. And it's all about telling your story because ultimately the thing that we leave behind, if you're not having children, um, is the stories that are told. And isn't it incredible to tell your story and our stories impact other people. And that's really the power of storytelling and this medium and and that's why I'm so passionate about what we do. I don't actually spend a lot of time playing uh, games anymore because I'm making games, mm-hmm. but when I find something that moves me, it's it's so very humbling. Very well said, Jean. Um, oh gosh, what was I going to say? Uh, the last guest that I had on, had, speaking of inclusion, uh, he had developed a wonderful game uh, called Stone. Um, not necessarily the game mechanics, it's, it's a wonderful point and click as well, but the story itself, uh, I feel that that's a story that needs to be told as well. Uh, it, it ties in with stories that I've told in the past um, just to get people to think about things in a way that perhaps they haven't seen them or thought about them before. Um, Just putting you in that space. Well, absolutely. I totally agree with you. It's the last two years we've been working on this particular game. It's a Charlene Harris adaptation from a novel and most people would know Charlene from her books that went on to become HBO's True Blood 
So we approached her four years ago to say, listen, we understand that the majority of your audience is women. We'd really like to work with you. Is there something in your repertoire that, you know, would would be interesting? And I went through her repertoire and I read her Lily Bard book, her first one. And so Lily is, I don't know, it was, I read this book and I went, God damn, this book has to be told in video game format. It's it's a character who who is dealing with some pretty dark stuff from her past. She was kidnapped and terribly abused, and she still has a lot of that trauma. And so that's the book that we bought the rights to. And so here I am working as the lead writer on this game, trying to find the fine balance between a point and click murder mystery, but also the expression PTSD and how does it affect the story and how does it affect the player's experience? I'm not so much focused on the sexual assault piece of it because I think a lot of us have PTSD from various trauma in our lives. And yes, sexual assault is very much a real issue affecting women. It's affected me. It's affected a lot of women that I know. It's where's that fine line. And ultimately away from playing the Lily Bard stories, sense of empathy and understanding for somebody who has PTSD, for somebody who is dealing with anxiety and, and personal doubt and all of those things. So it, it feels like a real gift to be writing this game. And yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Now I've seen uh, posts from you in the past regarding the title of the game and how that can be misleading to some. Yes. Would you like to elaborate on that? Yeah, so we actually ended up changing the title of the game from the novel. So the first novel in the series is called Shakespeare's Landlord. And the next one's Shakespeare's Champion. And the next one is like Shakespeare's such and such. Oh, Shakespeare's Christmas. And so there's five novels and they all start with Shakespeare's such and such. Well, that's because it's set in the town of Shakespeare, Arkansas, which is a fictional town. And we found that as we were, you know, showing the demo around, we went on a world tour and people would say, Shakespeare, you mean like the Bard? And well, actually it's Lily Bard, but it's not William Shakespeare. So we went back to Charlene and said, listen, basically after the feedback that we've gotten, it would make more sense if we made Lily the star of the series. So it's now called Charlene Harris's Lily Bard Mysteries the body in the Shakespeare park, which is a whole mouthful. <laughs> yes. um, but it really is. It's the Lily Bard game and it's, it's focused where it needs to be focused, which is on this incredible woman who is, you know, the way that we're constructing this as a murder mystery, it's not just who done it and, and why done it, but also what is the mystery of Lily? So we're slowly revealing what has happened to her and I mean, it's possible you could completely be oblivious to it if you're mm-hmm. if you're not savvy about contextual clues. But, you know, there's two mysteries happening. There's two mysteries happening in this game. And and that's something that I'm really 
enjoying writing the nuance of and it's set in 1996 so i have a lot of fun doing pop culture references oh and yes yeah yeah back i've to, had people back to relevant times <laughs> <laughs> those were the good days yes uh, yeah oh nostalgia mm-hmm. mm. i apologize <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. So I'll write these little um, hovers for the game. So like if you hover over her bedroom window, it has a, it over, it's an overview of her backyard. And so I called the hover back in the USS yard, which I <laughs> write. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody caught that and they they were chuckling like they just they you know there's going to be things in there that make you groan because they're so cheesy uh when you first meet the police officer he you're serving him cookies and and um cookies and coffee and he's like just the snacks ma'am just the snacks <laughs> and you know it's obviously when we go to localize this into multiple languages some of those cultural references are going to be missed and that's unfortunate, but I don't want to let that change the way that I'm writing this game because yes, it has got some serious content in it, but I also want to make it fun and interesting. Okay. Yeah. Now, how many, how many markets do you anticipate having this translated into? And well, we have an agreement to translate it into at least two languages. Mm -hmm. And um, I suspect French will be the first language that we translate into. And depending on how sales go, I mean, obviously, the sales have to drive the, the value of translating this. But we'd like to translate into figs, which is French, Italian, German, and Spanish. Those are typically the languages that a lot of games get translated into. Yes. But I think it would be an, uh, an oversight if we ignored um, Mandarin. Yes. So very much so would be a high likelihood that we'll be translating this into that. Okay. Yeah. That's exciting. So... Uh you said you had gone on a world tour. I remember seeing posts from you over the years for different conventions that you've been at. Uh, how many countries would you say you've been to? to Gosh. Story? Uh, uh, well, not that many. Not that many, but we've been to a lot of cities. And, like, we've, since we've started traveling for OMSG, We've been to, you know, we've been to LA and Long Beach and Seattle. The very first tour that I did for OMSG was um, in the fall of 2014. And it was to get a sense of, is what we're building even interesting to people? Mm -hmm. So I did eight cities in 23 days. And I did a number of focus groups to find out, is a tool like what we're building of interest to screenwriters, game developers, and traditional writers? Because that's really our focus. And so we did that, but what I have found now we're in year five, we're actually technically we finished year five, we're into year six wow. and something happened last year. I can't put my finger on it. I think once you enter your fifth year of anything, people start to really take you seriously. Mm -hmm. Forget the four years you've worked your butt off. It's yeah. for some reason there's a miracle at year five and people are like, oh, wow, these people are really, they really mean it. So uh, they're, here. Last, they're here. So we're just north of Toronto in the snow belt. 
And last year I was in San Francisco at the Game Developers Conference uh, in Dallas to visit Charlene to go over the game. Uh, Hawaii, Vancouver, Austin, Houston, uh, I was already in Dallas. And then I got invited to speak in Munich and also Poland. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. And then we went back to Berlin and then we flew from Berlin to Singapore to Melbourne, where we demoed our game for the first time at a major conference. And, you know, it was so incredible to get standing ovations for one of the talks that we gave, which was um, Blair and I gave a talk together called What 10-Year-Olds Taught Us About Our Tech Startup, Accidental Educators. And it was, you know, we talk about the summer camps that we did and how our goal as a studio once we ship this game is to move towards like an 80-20, 90-10 split of where that we're, we're focused on game development and the other piece of it is focused on doing education in our community for game development. And apparently we're, we're an anomaly. Like no one else is doing that. No one else is, I guess, interested or sees it as viable for Hmm. us. It's more about filling our personal cup. So Yeah. yeah, we showed the game. It went really well. It was super exciting. I think anybody who creates something, whether it be, Uh, a a painting or photography or music or a book there's there's always that niggling feeling at the back of your head it's like oh I don't know if this is any good or people are gonna like it Mm -hmm. and people lined up for like half an hour an hour to play our game and it, it was great and then they sat there and they played for half an hour which blew my mind like they stayed for the entirety of the demo that we have available and they were just like this is great I've been waiting for this um, and then we went to Tasmania and then Ooh. we went to Seattle where we spoke at DigiPen uh, and then we went to Vancouver and then we finally got home. It was a 53 day trip. Wow. Away from home. Mm-hmm. But we're the, the more that you invest in creating a sense of community everywhere that you go, the easier it is to nurture those relationships And to also ask those people who genuinely get to know you, hey, listen, I need help. I need help promoing my book or my game or whatever it is. And people will still help you if you only know them online. But there is magic when you meet people face to face. Yes. And and develop that relationship with them. Absolutely. I, I totally understand with that as we were just talking about, uh, that (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) so definitely definitely um i so i'm thinking i'm thinking we should get like a tour t-shirt made of everywhere that we went last year because it was epic yeah i could i could absolutely see that you know just have the one more story games logo on the front and then turn it around and on the back have all of the dates listed (laughs) Yeah, it was it was impressive, and we're still we're still very much uh, an underfunded startup. We've been fortunate that we've raised half a million from our friends and family. That does not go very far over five years when you have staff, and we have had staff and contractors. It's Blair and Jean are personally 
like in a very financial precarious situation because all of our money goes into the company. Mm-hmm. So it's even more exciting that we got to travel and people paid to have us come travel. It was, um, I'm very, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Absolutely. My gosh. Um, have you ever, oh, now I'm trying to think of the name of the project manager from IBM that wrote the, uh, wrote that book on project management regarding the program will take more programmers than you already have. And it will take twice as long if you hire those more, more programmers to do it. Um, Do you have any idea which one I'm speaking of? That the project. Sorry, you know what? The internet is cutting out. So I'm going to switch over to you. Okay quite a bit of data and um, hopefully that internet will be better than our Wi-Fi here. Would you please ask the question again? Oh, you know what? That gives me a little bit of an opportunity to actually look up who it is that I'm thinking of. Sure. I'll, I'll hum a little ditty. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Yes, I'm, I can currently glimpse outside my window and I cannot see across the street. That's how snowy it is right now. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. We're expecting uh, 20 to 40 centimeters, which for you folks is um, between half, it's, yeah, a half to one and a half feet of snow. Wow. Overnight in like 12 hours. That's how much we're expecting in 12 hours. Oh man. See, we had ice, we had sheets of ice frozen on everything. Like it's, it had been a drizzle all for the past two to three days, it, but oh, in wow. sub freezing weather. So it, it all just accumulates as a sheet of ice. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know what? I'll take snow over ice any day of the week. Oh man. Mm. But However, uh, yes. what, what I was going to say, that the, the project that you have to complete will expand regarding however many programmers that you hire to take care of it. No. Exponentially, have you, you have not had that, progr- that uh, problem in the past. No. So, okay. I mean, the, the project that we're working on is the artist complete on the game. And the only thing that's holding the game up from being finished is the person you're speaking to. And I am currently writing the game, but the other challenge is because we are such a small and underfunded team is I'm also having to wear a lot of other hats like marketing and PR and, you know, there are a lot of other things in our day to day that take me away from just focusing on the writing um, I'm also directing the voice actors too. Oh my! So for every time that I have to, every hour that I take, um, the writing is usually right now it's voice acting and directing the score that's being done. And it's like I would just like to sit down and finish writing this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's but, all this other stuff in the way. There's all this other stuff in the way and, and I don't begrudge it. I don't begrudge it at all. I have to say there's, there's magic to be had 
in seeing this thing come to life because it's we've done seven games now. We've produced several games in-house from our own Hidden House writer. We've won a couple of awards here in Canada, which is, you know, I'm grateful for as well. It's amazing. But this is this is probably 20 times the scale of anything we've done before, right? This is yeah. the entire game is being fully voice acted. We've never had that before. We haven't even, I think in our last game, we might've had um, 10 or 20 lines of dialogue that were read. This is the entirety of it. Like we're talking hours and hours of recorded footage. Um, and, and now we have a full score that's happening, an original score, and so, like, I, last night I was talking to our composer in um, in California, and it's like he had this beautiful orchestral arrangement, and I was like, okay, so can we get a little less of the violins and uh, a different tone of the, the discordant notes on the piano? These are all things that I have to put my brain into, which sadly take me away from the game. However, the exciting thing with seeing all of these more complex pieces come together is I see more and more how this is an elevation of art, right? Compared to our earlier games, which, you know, are still, I still think they're very great, solid stories, Yes, but they don't have the complexity of the art. They don't have the complexity of, the same kind of story nuance, um, you know, with the Lily Bard game, I don't know if you've seen any of what I call the trigger art. It's the art in the game that appears when Lily is in a stressful situation. So if players choose to unwrap the body, then they will, they will see an image of a monochromatic hand you're not going to find out until later the significance of that, but it's part of her past. Mm. And all players will see, regardless of what they choose in that, when she goes to bed that first night, she has a nightmare. And it's it's this ominous figure looking over her in her bedroom. Ooh. and um, But it's in monochromatic. And the way that we place the camera angle is that it's never looking at you, the player. It's always looking to you as though you're having an out-of-body experience. Hmm. And so those are like just little pieces that make up a part of the whole. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's really enriched the story in a way that I wouldn't have envisioned when we started this two years ago. Like it's evolved as a result of it taking longer. We have more Eureka moments. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, more programmers won't make this go faster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not even more writers. So no. it'll, it'll get done. It'll get yeah. done. I'm excited. Yeah. I I'm excited for you. I mean, cause as someone that's just been sitting in the distance on the sidelines, kind of watching you from afar, I mean, you have come a long way, you and Blair, um, a, a very, very long way. I, okay. I never, I, I, I never would have thought that five years later, you'd still be churning and turning. I don't know what to say to that, Leah. What? Um, 
Well, I, you know, I think that there are a lot of people who have seen the entirety of the five years and they're just like, wow, this is crazy, yes. um, crazy good and crazy wild and crazy. Mm-hmm. Are you guys not done yet? Like, um, we have had a lot of, I think like anything, uh, when you're self-employed or just going through life stuff, we've had a lot of come to Jesus moments in the past year. Um, when I went to see Charlene last May, she she was not very, she was unhappy with the progress that we had made. And I think ultimately nothing about the game, well, I wouldn't say nothing, but she wasn't particularly wowed by her experience. And I actually felt the same way about our own game prior to getting on the plane, because at the time I wasn't involved with the design or writing of the project. And, and not to you know, be negative about the previous person that we were writing with. It's just, it's not the same game now. It's not the same game now. I spent the summer completely rewriting the game. It has a very different tenor to it. Okay. And yeah, did I? <laughs> it's It's been a long journey and we've wanted to give up a lot because... You know, it's hard. It's it's especially hard when you're trying to do something so very creative, but you also have to make sure there's money coming in until the money, until this game ships or until people give us their pre-sale money, there is no income for us. No. And the longer this takes, the the more difficult of a situation we're put into. So, and the funny thing is, Leah, like I'll, I've talked to a lot of people who run both indie game studios and also like triple A, triple I studios, the money problem is the same no matter what. doesn't matter if you've got five people on your team, 500 people on your team. If your game does not do well, you may have to shut down. That's, it's just an issue of scale. That's all. So I take heart in knowing that, you know, at least there's only two of us that I'm currently responsible for payroll because I've paid all the art for. Um, but it's it is challenging. It is absolutely challenging, and I just I hope that people like this enough that we can more than break even. And who knows? Maybe this game will be a huge success. That would be ideal. Of course, of course. Now, drawing from uh, interviews that I've had in the past, um. Can you speak to the application process for grants? Oh, um, I can. I can. I don't know what it's like in the United States as it is to here in Canada. But, you know, this summer we actually, or I guess last summer, we received our very first grant on our own. Previously, we'd gotten a small grant as a co-applicant with somebody who was very established. And so we have a couple of Canadian-based and Ontario-based specifically granting bodies. One is called Ontario Creates, and they have a interactive digital media fund, which is for games and interactive things like games, I guess. Um they have a number of different streams even within that particular 
branch. So they have something called the Global Export Development Fund, which is we actually got half of our funding for Australia paid for by the tax dollars of, of Canadians or Ontario people, um, which was really fantastic. And, and you had to be able to show that you had a viable product, that there was a, there will be a return on the, the investment so to speak, of having gone to these conferences and to these to expo your game um, that you're meeting with publishers or whatever it is. So that was really fantastic. And, you know, I think our uh, I would have asked for a lot more had I understood fully the bigger picture of things um, mm-hmm. after having spoken to them recently, because you can apply for that grant for multiple conferences. I'm like, I didn't know that. And he <laughs> said, you know, for a first time applicant, you guys got a lot of money. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And we also got one of our projects approved. So we asked for funding for Charlene's second game. That's but, awesome. Yeah. And, and it was approved, but we ultimately turned it down because we knew that we were behind schedule with this one. And it makes zero sense for us to get money for the second one when we haven't finished the first one. It would be very unethical to do that. Yes. So we're very ethically driven people. <laughs> um, unlike some people. Um, yeah, there are, there are some people who, anyways, we won't go there. But it was really gratifying when I had the phone call with them and they said, you know, we've watched you. We've watched you for five years. You guys Mm -hmm. have proven that you're hardworking and that you've come a long way and you've invested a lot into your company and you've made games and heck you build a game engine. We told you, we didn't think you could do four years ago. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think we'll have an easier time getting grants now, now that we've actually had some, I think that's how it usually goes is you have to, you have to prove yourself mm-hmm. and then, and then it should be easier from here on out. Excellent. Yeah. I look forward to having free money. I don't mind the free money. <laughs> yeah. That, that's always a bonus. Literally. Well, and it's, it's, that money is designed to stimulate the economy in our province. Yeah. Right. So they give you $20,000 if you say you're going to spend 40000 in in their province. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that they want you to stimulate the economy here. Yes. And for the most part, we hire everybody within our region, um, with some exceptions. So we've, we've put a lot of money into this economy, thank you very much, over half a million dollars worth. Oh, wow. yeah. oh that's crazy. Hey, I... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think about it that way. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. Excellent. I'd like to, kn- I'd like more of that in my pocket though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? Well, and you know, I had somebody, uh, somebody who didn't really know us very well. They had, they'd sort of been following us for a year and said, Hey, you know what? I was talking to this company and, and um, if you guys are thinking about selling, I think I can maybe get you half a million for it, maybe a million dollars for your company. And I was like, oh, that's really sweet. And I'm not going to. Uh, so I said to him, you know, I have a much bigger number in mind. And it's not because we're full of ourselves. It's because those numbers are based on a five-year projection of your company. I've already put in half a million 
in yeah. cash into the company. Not to mention, I, I've only paid myself four times in five years or some ridiculous number. So I could have made a lot of money as, a, as an employed person. Why would I sell my company for half of what, it's, what I've put in? Yes. Right. And she gets so, no return on investment in that. Scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And so, no, we're, we're in it for the long haul. Okay. And um, yeah, that's because we believe in, in our legacy to, to circle back. <laughs> yes. Okay. Now, uh, before we close, I, I'm just going to ask, do you have anything else on the horizon other than the second installment of the Charlene Harris, uh, is it Julie, Judy Bard? Lily Bard. Lily, Lily Bard. Lily Bard. Lily Bard. We're not, we're not going to be in a rush to jump into the second novel. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, we'll have to see, obviously, how game one goes and for the second one that we would specifically be hiring um, a game dev team that is predominantly black uh, because it is about uh, racial conflict in the South and as white game developers, that's not a story that I feel comfortable telling, but I don't have a problem, you know, being the producer and dealing with the money aspect of things and keeping it underneath our umbrella. As for us, I mean, I have to tell you, every time we see a really interesting TV series or read a really great novel, um, there's so many stories and games that we want to tell. I have a game that I've been wanting to tell for three years now. Maybe I'll get to tell it this year. I don't know. It's called Betwixt, and it's about a little hard-of-hearing girl, me, who struggles with her identity when her deaf father and deaf sister tell her that she's just not deaf enough to belong in their community. And, and how does she find her sense of self in the hearing world and the deaf world? I, where... I can now think of at least two other people that would be overjoyed well, and you know, that, that idea of belonging mm -hmm. is universal. You don't even have to know somebody who is deaf or hard of hearing to be like, wow, this story is not about the deafness. This story is about the belongingness, mm -hmm. right? And and I have some ideas. I'm thinking that I might like to make it a um, sort of like a, almost like a collection of essays as a game where I talk to people who have had gender identity or sexual identity or racial identity and that betwixt becomes something so much more than just my own story. That would be my dream. Yeah. So I would love to see that one come to life. Like if I could just hunker down with, you know, a couple of tens of thousands of dollars that I'm going to have, um, that's what I would love to do for myself personally. Well, thank you again for taking the time to speak with us about what One More Story has been up to. Again, please tell Blair I said hi. And, I will. Uh, yeah. Uh, so anyhow, uh, before we depart, any last words, Jean? Do you have any, any last, last words? words? Any last words? You know, for people who love story, please keep supporting podcasts like this, support independent creators. And, you know, I think people think that a like is is sufficient. 
on a Facebook post. But you know what really motivates people is cold, hard cash in their Patreon accounts, their PayPal accounts. Buying the things from independent creators is just as important. So if you're listening to this, and I don't even know if you have a Patreon, but be, be sure to support the creators by sharing their work you know, we often go to conferences and people will, will give away promo cards to our last game that we published, which also won Game of the Year. It's called Danielle's Inferno. And, you know, we're giving this three-hour game away. It's a great award-winning game. And six months later, people will play it and say, wow, this was really great. Like, I know it's great. Thank you. And so just help people get the word out when you love something. Yes. And that's my last word is, yeah. And come check out lilybard.com, L-I-L-Y-B-A-R-D.com. And you'll see, you'll see this magical world that we've created that will make you feel something. And yeah, it's, it's a book meets game. That's what we're trying to do in this world. Awesome. And Thank you again, Jean. And everybody else out there, don't forget to vote with your dollar for things that you love. And uh, and I do espouse, uh, you know, that how are you going to get more content that you love if, if you don't share these things with other people that you do enjoy? And I've found myself guilty of that in the past, of sitting on things that I love for fear of getting laughed at by others. You know, and, and it doesn't really matter. If, if you enjoy it, share it with the world. Amen. Thank Amen. Thank you very much. Have a great you, day, Leah. everyone. Hey, everybody. Before we wrap up this episode, I'd like to take a minute to say thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying the podcast from our interviews and actual plays to our rambling roundtable discussions. If you like what you're here and you'd like to support the show, we have two great sponsors for you to check out. Birds of a Feather Coffee Company is a small batch craft coffee roaster and is our OG sponsor. They have three signature blends to choose from. The Morning Lark, which is a light roast. The Night Owl Blend, which is a rich dark roast. And the Hummingbird Decaf Blend. They also have the exclusive Legendary Brew, a nice medium roast coffee, perfect fuel for all those late night gaming sessions. If you use the code LEGENDS10, you'll get 10% off your order and shipping is always free. Our new sponsor is Thing 12 Games. Thing 12 Games is an independent board game publishing and development company. They are the creators of the award-winning Dice Of series in the arena of pocket tin dice games. Currently available are both Dice of Crowns, where you roll dice, backstab your friends, and try to claim the royal crown. And Dice of Pirates, where you play as a pirate captain, rolling them bones, fighting your mates, and claiming the booty all for yourself. Click Click Boom is a tension-filled social deduction card game full of clicks, bluffs, and booms. Their latest offering is Seals of Cthulhu, a strategic bidding and bluffing card game set within a Cthulian universe where two players battle for the fate of the world. They are also offering both Alhaka and Project Dreamscape by Sarah and Will Reed. And if you order through their website, you can use code LEGENDS10 and you'll receive 10% off your order. Thanks everybody for checking it out. We'll catch you next time. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.